In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is, it is so good to be back after a few weeks of vacation, um, getting away from the usual daily stuff is, uh, it is a blessing, but it is also, I'm very aware, uh, a luxury. And it is also necessary sometimes to get away, to recharge. It's a chance to take a step back and look at life a, a little bit differently. Hopefully get a sharper perspective on what's happening in, in not only your life, but in, in the world. But we can never truly get away, can we? Life doesn't slow down. The suffering of the world doesn't take a day off, unfortunately. In just the few weeks that I have been gone, and uh, I would say just in the past month, we have seen, of course, the rise in this Delta variant and more and more people contracting COVID, hospitals full to capacity. We have also been given the UN report on climate change with the not so subtle but extremely urgent title, Code Red for Humanity, as if COVID wasn't enough. The fall of Afghanistan and the suffering that is already and will continue to occur, no doubt there will be even more divisive politics. Haiti, the poor country of Haiti, not only suffering from COVID, but enduring a 7.2 earthquake that, that toppled, toppled the country. And if that wasn't enough, they were hit with the hurricane, which is now also poised to hit the East Coast today. So we pray for all our, our friends and family whom we know in, in New England. Water levels sinking to dangerous levels fires up in the north. There's just so much. <laughs> you really can't get away. So much anxiety, so much to be concerned about. Where do we, where do we turn for comfort? Netflix, maybe? I'm guilty. I don't know about turning for comfort, but certainly it is a distraction. But then when you go and you look at any of these uh, streaming platforms these, to watch films, I, I, I see numerous horror films, disaster movies, a lot of guns and violence, and invariably anything that involves a nun or a priest or a church or it has a cross on the advertising, it's bound to be a horror movie or, or something gruesome, gruesome, so I take much offense <laughs> at that. Marvel movies with superheroes, men and women with special powers saving the world. Oh, we want to see the darkness of the world and evil defeated so badly that we watch it. We watch it when we are seeking entertainment. What are we doing? What are we doing, though, to bring comfort? What are we doing to thwart the darkness that seems to be all around us? Well, Paul tells us in the letter to the Ephesians today that we are to take up the whole armor of God. Fasten the belt of truth around your waist. As for shoes, it doesn't matter what kind of shoes you wear. Just put anything on your feet that will help you proclaim the gospel of peace. 
pick up the shield of faith, put on that helmet of salvation, and carry a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a little unfortunate that Paul's image is one of gearing up for battle, for war, but he's using the power symbol of the day, which would be a Roman soldier. While the symbols of armor may be the power symbols of the world in Paul's world, it is juxtaposed against God's power. God's power lies beyond what the world tells us is powerful. God's power lies in truth, in righteousness. Now, righteousness doesn't mean just being right all the time and telling others what to do and that they're wrong. But righteousness is living for what is right and just. God's power is in peace. And ultimately, God's power is found in God's word. Paul's trying to tell us that there is a spiritual world out there. Unseen forces for good or for ill. That the spiritual cannot be neglected or cast aside for the worldly and we need to dress appropriately. Paul tells us there are unseen dark forces out there that are set on destruction and chaos, and more and more we see how vulnerable we are to unseen things that we seem to have no superpower to be able to control. Where do we turn for comfort? Today we hear again about bread. Now this is a month where preachers have to figure out how to talk about the bread of life in new ways for about four Sundays in a row, so I'm grateful for Mother Judy for taking three of those. (laughs) Although Jesus is a little more stark today as he says, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me. In fact, I think he knows he's being controversial because he says, does this offend you? Because many in the crowd are saying, um, this, teaching, <laughs> this teaching is difficult. And indeed, the language is gruesome, blasphemous. In fact, Christians after the time of Jesus, when they were being persecuted and the fake news of the day was circulating, Christians were accused of being cannibals, literally cannibals, because of language like this. While the language may be difficult, the teaching really isn't. Jesus is the sustenance we need. Jesus is essential to life, to everlasting life. I want to tell you a story. During the bombing raids of World War II, thousands of children were orphaned and they were led to starve. Now, the fortunate ones were rescued and placed in refugee camps where they received food and good care. But many of these children who had lost so much, they couldn't sleep at night, and they feared waking up to find themselves once again homeless or without food. Nothing seemed to reassure them. Finally, finally someone hit upon the idea of giving each child a piece of bread to hold at bedtime. Now, holding their bread, these children could finally sleep in peace. All through the night, The bread reminded them, today I ate, and I will eat again tomorrow. 
Now this story comes from a booklet called Sleeping with Bread, holding what gives you life. And for these kids, it was literally holding this loaf of bread. It's kind of a how-to booklet that talks about how we can identify the moments in life where we can hear the voice of God guiding us from within in order to combat our feelings of hopelessness. Figuring out what we are grateful for and what we can hold onto, identifying what gives us life. This story reminded me of another bread story I read about a few years ago on a public policy website. Back in 2011, in Egypt and Yemen and Tunisia, people took to the streets to protest, but they didn't go to protest with, by violent means, not with guns, not with swords, but with baguettes. Loaves of bread were worn on belts like swords and they were waving them around in the air like weapons and, and men wore various kitchen items on their heads representing armor. It was an outcry against the high cost of food because many were starving. In Egypt, the Arabic word for bread is aish and this happens to also be the same word for life. Reporters covering the event wrote of a sense of insecurity in the cities where these protests were happening because food was hard to attain and that there were fears of things taking a dangerous and violent turn. Because bread is essential and when we are fed we are secure. Bread is the symbol of our lives of life in general continuing on. Not being fed leads us to fear, and especially our fear of death, of our lives ending, not continuing on, of our feeling of not being in control. Fear of death often dictates how we live our lives and the choices that we make, how our our insecurities might inform our choices which may not necessarily be life-giving. There's a Latin phrase from a musical antiphon, media vita in morte sumus, which means in the midst of life we are with death. Now this is a fact, but this does not need to be a morbid thought. In fact, Christianity is about life and death. Our whole liturgy, how we worship and what we do on Sundays faces death in the remembrance of Jesus, the recounting of his torture and death, and the faith in the resurrection which tells us that there is a continuity with our lives here on earth and that there is a bigger picture to our experiences in life and that we carry these experiences into a life everlasting, an eternal life promised to us as believers, as those who put their trust in Jesus. And we are comforted by that. Even scientists are starting to talk about life not being just a random accident of protons and neurons, how the universe is remarkably and miraculously fine-tuned to support life. Life is not accidental. How scientists admit that even with the Big Bang, well, one scientist says about the Big Bang, if it had been one part in a million more powerful it would have rushed out way too fast for the galaxies and for life to develop. 
The Big Bang was exact precision. How even if the strong nuclear force were decreased by a mere 2%, there would only be one kind of atom formed, not enough to sustain life. And if the gravitational force was decreased by a hair, stars, including the sun, would not have ignited. Now, these are just a few examples of how brilliantly aligned and exact our solar system is, and indeed the Earth we live on, to allow for life and consciousness. What's the upshot of all of this? We are meant to be. We are meant to be, all of us. Now, while scientists won't allow for the existence of God as the creator in all of this, I have no problem saying that this is precisely an argument for God and that Jesus is the proof we need to have faith in the purpose of life, the power over death, and that there is an everlasting life lived in the everlasting arms of our creator, God, where life is no accident. And because of this, each and every one of us is to be fed is to be secure, is to go to bed at night knowing that there will be bread in the morning, respecting the dignity of every human being because so often, so often, even the little attacks we make on each other puts us a step back, keeping us from allowing the spirit to guide us into fuller lives, fuller selves, and a more and just and equitable society. So the teaching is easy. If we believe, which means if we take that step and put our trust in the truth that Jesus is the bread that gives us life, shows us the way to life in all its perfection, we then become vulnerable to the gospel messages and we don't fear death. We don't choke life out of others for our own survival. And we give up, we let go of our apathy. Because when we truly follow the gospel message and follow Jesus, then children do not go to bed hungry. Those once ostracized are now welcomed into our homes. Violence due to greed, selfish or self-loathing doesn't exist because we're all part of this perfectly planned universe. Armed forces and resisting forces wouldn't need to walk down neighborhoods with guns poised, wearing armor. People would not have to pour into the streets to protest the lack of food, the lack of dignity. Relationships would end or begin with compassion and empathy. Not judgment and power struggles. And actual conversations would be born out of love and the desire for reconciliation. So, for the fourth Sunday in a row, Jesus is the bread of life. We hold on to that. We hold on to that bread. Jesus feeds us so we can feed others. Bread is the symbol, the sign that points to the nourishment of our bodies and our souls so the souls of others can experience eternal life that starts here and now on this earth. So we feed on the bread every Sunday, putting our trust in Jesus, and as we do so, we are open to eternal life despite death and willing to feed others literally, 
through stories, through witness, by example, wearing the belt of truth, the shoes that carry us to spread peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. So I'm gonna send you home today with an exam question. Don't think of it as a test, but, but more of an examination. Let's ask ourselves this week, how am I feeding people? How am I feeding people in my own life, as a part of a community, as part of this church? What can I do to feed people? What does that mean? And maybe when we answer this question, we will come to know the answer to the second question, which simply is, how am I being fed? How am I being fed? There's so much going on in the world, it's easy to become numb. Jesus is the bread we hold on to. We can start there. We can start there, putting our trust in that. And I'm hoping that each and every one of us will be able to say, I sleep because I know that I dwell in the everlasting arms of God. Amen.